everybody. Welcome back to the Hive Podcast. We're here. This is episode 19. We've got me, Micah, Christian, and we've also got Garrett here today as well. We're excited uh, to dive into deeper discussion and to uh, look into Scripture and see uh, the truths that are in Scripture and to break those down and uh, discuss those uh, to the furthest possible depth we will allow Garrett to go uh, in about 40 minutes. Uh, so we're looking forward to today's discussion. We're kind of continuing our series on um, talking about the the Bible stories in Scripture, the events that took place that we have kind of you know put in the children's corner and kind of said these are children's Bible stories. Um, we're looking at those and, and looking for um, not necessarily newfound truths, but um, but but truths that we often put to the side with these stories, and we try to simplify them to for our children to understand. But there's so much truth in these stories, and there's so much meat uh, that we uh, want to just dive deeper into these, and 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 hopefully bring to light some things that you either may have forgotten about, that we have may have forgotten about, or that we have overlooked in the past while trying to teach it to children and oversimplify it. So, Christian, Garrett, what what's up? How's it going? It's good to be back. It's good, man. It's good to be back. This is like the second time we've been in person, and feels like we just got back. feels like this it still feels like new. We're 19 episodes in. Well, this is the 19th episode. <laughs> is it really? It still feels like new to me. Like I feel like we just started doing this like last week. Wow. Garrett's like, we've been doing this for six years. I'm ready for it to end. That's crazy. No, I, I, this is one of my favorite parts of the week. Sitting yeah, same here. Talking. It's <clears> crazy. <throat> it's, hard, it's hard to believe. It's yeah, been, I'm just trying to wrap my mind about that, that we've done this 19 times yeah. already. We did like six or seven on spiritual disciplines. We did probably three or four like introductory ones. We've already done three or four children. So, I mean, just really quickly thinking, that's several podcasts. Right. But. So, so, we've done Jonah. Yep. We've talked about the story of Samson. Yep. We've talked about... Samson. Noah. Dude, I put up a meme before. Pause there. You can keep thinking about the other ones. Okay. I put up, so I saw a meme today and I put it on our on my Instagram story. So for those of you that, that have Instagram, it's on the story. It's at overflow SM underscore is our Instagram. Dude, it's awesome. It's about Delilah and Samson. And it's just like a two-sided picture and it's like. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, it says when, I obviously can't describe it, but it's really funny. It's classic. Just because it's one of my favorite stories in scripture um what's it say well it says it's just like her it's the face is is what you have to see i'll show you guys but listeners at home go look right now um it says delilah fake flirting with samson and then delilah after samson tells her secret of where his strength comes from it's just two different facial facial expressions anyway continue noah Jonah, <laughs> oh yeah samson. so noah Jonah, adam and eve. And we did adam, adam and eve last so week four in four is that right noah jonah samson adam and eve we're not known for counting as ministers. <laughs> I got five well, like, fingers numbers up. Aren't our thing. Well, this is the fifth. Oh yeah, we've this done is the fifth, four. Yeah. yeah, we haven't done yeah. today's yet. So uh, we're doing it right now. How, what, who are the other ones? But that for we listeners, we've do? done it because you're like, listening to it. So we're done now. Did we listeners. say we were going to do Joseph? And I don't know, man. Moses. We'll I don't see. Know. I don't I even know. Moses it's up for grabs. Yeah. I like Joseph too. This is we this is finish. what we call on-air producing. Um, <laughs> this, this is we're meeting we, right now. We this make decisions. You, everyone should see how we plan these out in our text messages. Oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's so disorganized. We, we may we I, Christian. I think you. Sh- I think today we should post a screenshot of what, how we decided to do. I the think podcast, it's a good idea. Yep. Uh, today and and uh, we may have to translate for the non-Gen Zers out there. But um, we use yeah, the we'll, phrase. We'll put Cap that up G. today. Uh, for those of you G. that don't know what that is, that means like capital G, like God. So. Uh, although he, I, I use Cap G for God. Cap G for Sorry, God. So, Have you ever seen um, what? Who's God's that? bigger than us, calling him the wrong name. <laughs> Have you ever so. seen that that guy that does the youth ministry videos? Um, uh, what's the, he does the cool, oh Carl cool G, G. Yeah. Yeah, 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 cool, cool Carl, Carl, cool Carl, the Gen Z devotional. He does, yeah, man, they're hilarious. He I have a, it in my office. He has such good. He has really good yeah. video. Yeah, it's something for you to do if you want really good solid comedy. Yeah. Christian yes. type videos. Look and up Cool Car. Is that right? Cool Car. Yes, yeah, cool it's Carl. two L's in yeah. Carl though. Cool Car. So it's they Sunday are Cool hilarious. is the company. If you just Google Sunday Cool or Cool Car, <laughs> you'll find. He's now, hilarious. what you need to understand is it's not it's not really parody, but like it is. It's not like the truth. He's not like <laughs> ma- parody is like where you kind of make fun of something. He's not like making fun of Christianity. Well, I guess in some parts he does kind of make fun of like the the antiquated, it's super a lot legalistic like the Babylonian B type stuff. Yeah, where but it's but he also satirical. they 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 always have some like they always have like good biblical content. Like yeah. the Gen Z devotional oh, yeah. has there's a lot of arguments <laughs> a lot about it. Funny. There's a lot of arguments, but it's a legitimate devotional that has 
each devotional has like three pages and a half of that page is just like, is the translation to Gen Z, which is like, you know, they call the, your soul is called body brain, body your body brain, brain. <laughs> your, your heart is called a chest thumper. A chest um, <laughs> so like there, and it calls the world, the big blue is what he calls it. Um, so like, there's a lot of, it's goofy. It's I, funny. I want to know how but many, like there's real content too. So yeah. it's not like, I want to know how many Gen Zers actually talk. I don't know. I, I think it's definitely not a real kind of thing. Cause some, I've heard some of them say like one or two of those words. Um, but like not, not I've never strung a If I together. ever met someone that did talk with that t- type of lingo, I don't think I could hold a conversation with them I without laughing. For so sure. like I'm pulling uh, for any students that listen, Sunday night we have a worship night. Uh, for any of my students, I mean that listen, um, you're getting some insight. But Sunday night I'm actually using one of those devotionals as oh, my yeah. as my. I'm doing like a five ten minute devotional in the middle of the worship night, and I'm take I've taken one of those, and I honestly read it like ten times a day, and I cannot remember exactly. Like, I can't quote it back to you. And I read it, like, several times today because it's so foreign to me, just the verbiage. I'm just like, ah. Um, but it's about about how God gives us peace. And it's yeah. something about um, stay chill, fam, or something. Like, it's just, like, That's really, right. like... Have you ever read the Hawaiian Pigden version of the Bible? Hawaiian what? Pigden. Pigden? Yeah, if you Spell have... That? Like, for my... I, I can't like remember. Like, P-I-G-D-E-N, is that what you're saying? Pigden? Pigden, yeah, I think okay. it's like that. You have to... So, if you have the U version app... Um, go to your languages, and there's a language that's Hawaiian Pigeon, and it is so like I guess it's a real language, but it sounds so it's almost like slang. It seems like, like Pig Latin. No, it's not like Pig Latin. Like I'd have to look up an example. Dude, we are in six minutes here, and we have not even remotely started talking about. <laughs> you think uh, we but, should restart? But, uh, no, 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 no. This is all live. Uh, we like this. We're gonna. This is kind of like Joe Rogan's, you know. He just. I mean, you know, we'll get chill. we'll get to David and Goliath in a minute. Um, <laughs> not David even. and Cap G, but David and Goliath. Where? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna search. Let's let's jump into David and Goliath. I so we find. Do not worry about the pig. What? I'm gonna find it. Hawaiian pig. Then I'm gonna find it later. Uh, I can't find it off the. You know, I can't just. Have We've gotten so far off. Hawaiian task. pig. Then. but First Samuel 17. <laughs> we see the story of David and Goliath. What a transition. <laughs> I think. Um, uh, Looking forward to this before discussion. we before we get into um, David and Goliath, we have to really talk about what happens in in chapter sixteen with with um, David's anointing because um, that that directly really leads into what happens because without David's anointing, there isn't really a there isn't a, a clear rhetorical purpose for talking about David and Goliath because David and Goliath is him being introduced, David's spiritual nature and strength and fortitude being introduced to Israel. But David's anointing in chapter 16 is where God introduces and says, I know this guy before Israel even has any idea who he Mm -hmm. is. And so, and I think it's really important that we look at, at 16 because Samuel, um, who this is all, this entire narrative of David and Goliath happens in in First Samuel. Samuel's a prophet of Israel. He is actually one of the uh, jack of all trades. He's a prophet. He's a priest. He's a judge. Um, he's kind of a jack of all trades within Israel, and he is closer to God than anyone else in Israel. And God says, "Listen, the king of Israel right now, Saul, is abandoning me." And we see that Saul had started kind of getting a big head. He was thinking of himself in terms of the kings of, of other nations. He wasn't really concerned with with God's role anymore. He was more concerned with his role and making his decisions. And we see that that, that he had been going to battle and, and doing his own thing. And so God says, Samuel, I'm going to anoint someone else. And Samuel says, okay, let's, let's, let's do this. And he goes to, to Bethlehem, and he meets with this man Jesse and um, it says when they arrived Samuel saw Eliab and thought surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord but the Lord said to Samuel do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him the Lord does not look at the things man looks at man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel but Samuel said the Lord has not chosen this one either and it goes on and all these 
children of Jesse come before Samuel and Samuel asks Jesse, are all of these the sons you have? And then Jesse is like an afterthought, had forgotten about David and says, well, there's the youngest. He's out with the sheep right now. Like he's chopped liver. <laughs> and, yeah. and Samuel said, send for him. We won't sit down until he arrives. And David comes in and says he was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord says, rise and anoint him. He's the one. And so, you know, Jesse didn't even think his youngest son was worth mentioning or bringing to the Thanks. table. Thanks, Dad. Because he, with he was only, you know, we look at the outward appearance. And Saul was a kingly figure, stood higher than everyone, was handsome, was strong, was was smart and, and, and everything. And God anoints his king, the man after his own heart that we come to learn later in Scripture. And the reason that he stuck out to him was not because of outward appearances, because of the spirit. And that ties then into David and Goliath as well. Yeah. And I love that description. Um, man does not look at, or man does look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks inward. Yeah. Um, and I think there's such a <clears throat> strong truth there that, well, guess what? We're, we're still mankind here in our day and age. And guess what? We still look at that word <laughs> appearance. I mean, yeah. you look at, Look at advertising and marketing. I mean, oh, it's, it's 100% yeah, outward appearance, it's, looks. Yeah, all outward appearance. I mean, you look at just like clothing brands, they, you know, models have to be a certain way. You even look at, you know, there's a, there's now the plus model industry. And again, it still fits the outward appearance. They need to look a certain way yeah. within that industry. I mean, it's so like even. If you know someone say, well, it's you know, it's we're getting better, we're getting more inclusive, but like that's the idea is we still look at outward appearance, and almost period. even in, in the church as well. Yes, that, uh, some churches I've heard actually we had a this was crazy. Uh, long story short, there I was we were at our um, the church at Indian Hills, and it was the church that we had just started this year. And as we were there, me and Brother Jarek were doing a video, and this lady had come up to us, and um, she had been to that church before. And she'd come to me, and she was kind of asking like what she had to wear if she came. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, "The I talked to the pastor that was there before, and he just let me come as I was, uh, which she liked. But she said she was worried because she was the only woman there not wearing a skirt. Yeah, uh, and she didn't know if they would accept that. And it just kind of thinks I know there's churches uh, today that still um, you have to look a certain way to be in the church. And I, I've even heard people say, <clears throat> and people closer to home than I'd like to. To, to know, but I've even heard people say, you know, I get that you can kind of wear whatever to church, but I, there's something about just wearing your nicest for God or wearing your best. I'm like, but like, even that's not true. Like, no, he wants your heart. He doesn't care what color your shirt is. Or I get the idea that someone might say we need to be respect. No, you need to respect God with the way you live. He, he's sure. not concerned with what you wear, <coughs> barring it being appropriate. I mean, you know. And, but again, that would be because of the way we live. It's not that our clothes are, you know, indicate what, what we are, what we believe. God wants you for, he wants your soul. He wants your life to be in imitation of him. He doesn't care if you're wearing a suit. Oh, by the way, Jesus probably didn't have really nice clothes when he was on earth either. So he wore a suit and tie. No, he was not hmm. of earthly royalty. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just think we, I'm like you exactly what you're saying. Christian is exactly right. I think we had to be careful. Um, you know, that's kind of a segue. We went a little, we started with a big segue. We got on track and now we've segued again. Um, just thinking about God looks at the inward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance. And we have mm-hmm. to be careful that, that we're not focusing on the outward appearance. Yeah. And it goes far beyond inward. clothes. Like even, no, yeah, yeah, I mean, even in the church, like just the way somebody looks, you can tell the way they go about their life. And we might look at yeah. somebody by the things they do and think, Oh, they're not as holy. Or we, we might look at somebody in their outward appearance and think, man, they got it all together. Yep. When on the inside, they're struggling and falling into deep sin. And we see that in the lives of pastors. Uh, we see that oh, in the man. lives of, it's actually been on the news recently. Yep. I won't say names, but yeah. uh, it's been on the news recently. Just people that seem to have it all together. But see, God's not looking for that. Uh, and, and God is looking directly at the heart, which is an encouragement um, to know that you don't have to try to put yourself together as a certain way. Uh, that God is really focused on that inside transformation. Yeah, and that 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 whole assessment that God gives Samuel that I he says I don't look at outward appearances, I look at the heart. Mm. That ties in then to 
the battle between David and Goliath. Because what we come to find is that Goliath hit, made an assessment of David, and his assessment of David that he made, his physical assessment of David that he made ended up resulting in his downfall. And Saul made an assessment of Goliath, and when David came forward with trust in God's strength, Saul said, well, but you're going to need this, this, and this in order to, to do it. So so what happens in, in, in Samuel... 1 Samuel 17 is uh, Saul is at battle with the Philistines and they're kind of at a standstill and Saul has been given this evil spirit from God because he's God's trying to make Saul feel uncomfortable and the only way Saul can feel less uncomfortable is if someone soothes him with with song and David is brought in to play the harp to play the the lyre and and soothe it says that only David could soothe soothe Saul's restless spirit and then the giant comes out Goliath comes out and keeps hounding Israel and David's like why are you all standing for this why 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 do you have anything to fear and so he says I'll I'll go and and I'll go and and face him and Saul's response is, you are not able, this is in in 17 verse um, 33, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been fighting men, he has been a fighting man since his youth. And David replies, he says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth, and returned to me. And, and you know, he says, I, I trust the, the God who delivers, I, I trust in the strength of God. And um, so Saul says, you know what, go it, go and do it. Lord be with you. And then it says, Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to him. And, and so Saul looked at David and said, no, you can't do it. You're too young. You're too small. And then David gave a good defense and Saul said, okay, but here, I'm going to give you these things because this will help you. Saul had been so completely dismissive from his relationship with God that he couldn't see the spiritual strength that David had. He only saw the physical aspect of this young boy cannot fight this this grown man that's been doing yeah. this enti- his entire life. And is it just me or when he says, uh, like he said, let's see what verse was it, um, verse 37. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Does it not feel like kind of like, go and the Lord be with you, I guess? Sarcastic, like, good yeah. luck, you know, like, and all, it, that's just kind of how my, my, my brain takes it mm. in. I don't know if that's exactly how he said it. But you also can kind of guess that based on, like you're saying, Context, Saul's history, yeah. he started to dismiss God and, and David saying, you know, like, look, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it my way. Saul kind of like, well, whatever, kid, your funeral, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting I would have loved to see Saul's face when he killed Goliath. And to see the fear of Saul, you know, you talked about Saul, he was at a point to where he couldn't see the spiritual side of things, and I think the fear blocked that. Uh, You know, you think that Goliath was tall, and he was taller than Saul, but the Bible says Saul was tall too. Dang, Uh, Saul might have been the tallest in the army. We don't know that. You know, Dr. Seuss? (laughs) Did that actually rhyme? Hey, can we go back and put a beat on that? (laughs) So, just to think, if anybody should have stood, I think, and unless it was just not of that culture and time for the king to fight, I think Saul should have been the one to go out and fight. It was. It it should have been. He was the king. Yeah, the warrior. Well, I I mean, it wasn't necessarily that the king went and fought, but the greatest warrior would go out and fight. Well, look at who the Saul was the tallest. The Philistines picked their giant. Yeah, you know, the Israelites, in theory, should have picked their biggest dude. Their champion is what what we're we're not able to determine really what kind of position Goliath had in the army, but we do know that that he was prominent within within that that big fella, big fella. Big Uh, NIV says. He was over nine foot tall. Yeah. Um, I think it was what six cubits was like the original measure. Like the my little f- cubit is the length of your fingertip to your your elbow. So six it's of those. forearm. That's generally eighteen inches. Yeah, my little so six, index is inch. nine feet nine. That would be a hundred and eight inches, which is. That was ten- quick. How'd you math? do that? How'd you do that so fast? 
<laughs> I, still, I still don't even know how you figured that. Big out. brain. Eighteen. What? Eighteen by six. Yeah. Uh, eight, ten and six is sixty, and eight and six is forty-eight. I still don't know what you did. Hundred eight. But it so, sounds good. So that is. <laughs> um, let's see. Ten foot minus two. Uh, that's nine foot. Is what? Uh, six cubits being eighteen but inches. The is other thing right is. Foot. Anytime a cubit's mentioned, it's based off of the person yes, in the story. Right. So if it's a giant's cubit, if it's a giant's well, they probably tip to elbow, it would have been longer. Well, it would have been the recorder of the event, right? Yeah, potentially. Likely, likely measuring based on depends. their arm. Like their an example cubit. is that... that Why it, is it called a cubit? Is that like Hebrew for like something that means like forearm or something? Well, so measurements in that time were based off of like what you would acquire. So if you were trading something you would say i want three cubits of this and you would measure your forearm length your finger like what i'm saying is how did they figure why is it why is it the word cubit like does that word in hebrew like mean forearm or something as uh i'm not sure on that not necessarily why do they i don't know about the terminology there you can google that one but there's your there's for the week interesting check that out there's different um og King Og, which was the king... Oh, I cannot remember what kingdom he was over. OG. I think he was uh, in um, Numbers or Deuteronomy. Uh, it was during the time of Moses. He was a giant as well, and it said his bed was nine cubits long. And there's um, debate as to whether that was cubits based off of this giant's arm or cubits based off of someone else's arm. So it's likely that his bed was... What eighteen feet long or yeah. something like that? Well, just to be fair, when you said cubit is rough eighteen inches, that's exactly nine foot tall, which is what that then I mean yeah. says. So, so it's probably so it's yeah. So I mean, we can get. I mean, it, it, he was at thing, least nine feet, just like Jonah and the fish slash whale. It doesn't matter. I mean, we what does matter is that he was a giant. I mean, that his stature and he was formidable. Was, yeah. Right, that's what I mean. That what matters is that he was. The stature was a big part of who he was. It doesn't matter if he was eight foot eleven or nine foot one. That part doesn't matter. But anyway, so we digress from that third segue of our podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't, that was related. No, to, it was. To You're the right. Thing. But, but so, do we want to um, talk about uh, the background of giants in the Bible, no, or just not? No, even we're not going that? there. Okay, uh, that might be. We could do a follow up episode on that maybe sometime. That could um, be the hunt moment. Maybe we'll do that in like yeah. our. Either way, whenever Goliath spoke, it says that Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed yes. and terrified. Yes. So, yeah. however big he was, he was, that, and that's what I'm getting at is yeah. like the exact height doesn't matter, but what does matter is that he was extremely he was scary formidable, dude. scary when he spoke. He induced fear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and what's also important is the response of all of the Israelites, including the leader, um, that they yeah. just cowered in fear and basically were like, "Well, we're." We're hosed, you know. We ain't got an, We don't have an option. Instead of like, hey, yeah. who's brought us to the promised land? Who has continued to, you know, um, who has continued to be with us this whole time? Like God has. Oh yeah. Well, we don't have a chance. Have you seen Goliath? He's huge. You <laughs> he know, like, part to say, but yeah, I mean, this guy's so, big. So it's just it's interesting to see their their response and and like Garrett was saying earlier, the strength, the spiritual strength of David to be like walk in the army with bread for his brothers and just be like, wait, y'all scared of this dude? Like, and he, he, like David's like 13 years old. Um, I mean, first of all, imagine 13 year olds in your all's lives that, you know, just imagine them being <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> some of them might be pretty good with a sling, but that's because they try to break stuff with it or something. But there, it's incredible to, to listen to this account of David who was literally walks in this place. Like, what are you all doing? Like, why are you scared of this dude? Like, yeah, he's nine foot tall, but like God's immeasurable. So like oh, we yeah, win this. Tell. You we can win tell this. the confidence of the Lord within David. Oh my gosh. And it's not it doesn't to me seem like I have heard some people say like, Oh, he's cocky, arrogant. It doesn't feel like that to me. It just feels like a like matter of fact, like David. Yeah, it is seems like, obvious to me. Yes. Him. David is like, No, we will win this because God is on our side. Why don't you understand? You know? It's yeah. not David saying, Well, I'm really good with this sling, which he probably was, but He's just saying God's on our side. We win no matter what because God said we will. So, mm-hmm. um, and there's a there's a really superior faith there out of David that I mean you see literally no one else in the rest of the Israelite army. Every single other person, his brothers, you're like, oh, you've just come here to gossip and you know just to, to watch us all make fun of us and you know watch us cower against the Philistines. So, um, just a strong um, show of faith there from David. Uh, who is a boy. I mean, he's just a young kid that 
you know, the faith of children. I mean, yeah. he he wasn't considered like a child, child like we would call a child. But but there's yeah, again, I that, mean, he would he would have been like you said around yeah. thirteen, twelve. But at that time, that was that like context, a young man. Yeah, he was becoming he a was, man. He, he would have been considered like well, an eighteen-year-old, like, and yeah, in but like context. by like sixteen in that time, you're but like either way, kids, the point was so. he wasn't a seasoned warrior by right, any means. He right. put Saul's armor on and, and wasn't and used to it. Yeah, oh my. Um, I mean, he had he was definitely definitely athletic to have been able to have confidently faced you think off you against Jordans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Sandal too. David is one of my favorite <laughs> the Jesus <figures>. sandals. <laughs> He's one of my favorite figures, especially when you follow. Like, I I think Dave, the David and Goliath story is the least interesting of of David's narratives. Oh yeah. I mean, when he is running from Saul, and is like becomes a spy and a mercenary huh. for for That's pretty the cool. Philistines. I saw and another man as a king. That. When he's hiding in the cave and oh. Saul comes in to relieve himself, and it's like <laughs> David and all his David and all his uh, attendants are like, "Don't think about waterfalls. I gotta pee. I gotta pee. Like, don't think about." Like. <laughs> it's just like anyway. Sorry. But uh, there was another cool thing I think about David. He, as a king, he had an elite fighting force known as uh, the Thirty, and in the Hebrew, it would have been the Shloshim, um, and of the Shloshim. Shloshim. That sounds like as I say the Shloshim. <laughs> Sounds like something I'd get from yeah. a gas station. <laughs> they, uh, they were like, and they they would have been like Navy SEALs today. So he Love had this that. elite t- fighting Dang. force that would go ahead of the armies. That's awesome. Love that. That's awesome. I like seeing the story, David, because it's almost like you grow up with him. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Like you yeah. go through life with him because you see him as a young boy, and then you see his greatest moments. You see his worst moments. Uh, you know, you get to see where he dies. It just seems. And like I think it's notable him. because in. In Israelite um, history, they would have loved the story of David. You see, you see a little bit about the story of Saul. You see a little bit of the story of Solomon. So, it kind of they bookend David, but there's David's entire life is given to us because he was like he was everything to the history of of the Israelites. They were what they desired in a king. They were what they desired to yeah. be. Personally, because this was a man after God, this was a great warrior, this was a great king, and he had his foibles, he had his downfalls, his pitfalls, but ultimately he he was um, someone yeah. after God's own heart. Yeah, so let's read the account real quick. All right, so David walks out, battlefield. Um, Enter in, David. Yeah, I'm in 17, chapter, 1 Samuel 17, verse uh, 48. And if you're driving your car and you'd like to read along, yeah, yeah, pull, your <laughs> pull out your Bible. And, uh, <laughs> David, as the Philistine moved cl- closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it, struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over, stood over him, took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the scabbard, After he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. Fast forward down to 54. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. And he put the Philistine's weapons in his own tent. I mean, how anticlimactic of a story, first of all. And what I mean by that is there's like 52 verses of like this buildup. Like you can like hear the background music, you know, like building the crescendo, if you will. Building. And then it's just like, and David pulled a rock out, hit him in the head, killed him. It was like, oh. Well, like you thought you were going to see like this crazy battle, like back and forth, back and forth. And it's yeah. like, it was three seconds long. And David <laughs> won. You know, it's like, it's like the, you know, like UFC fights or um, uh, real ones, not wrestling. Uh, UFC or boxing. And they like hype up this fight for months and yeah, months and first months. First round, 45 and second like, knockout. <laughs> three seconds in, it's just a knockout. And you're like, oh, well, uh, that's no fun. It's over. And you see in like three seconds, the guy that lost like gets up and he's dazed a little bit, but like he knows like, I just trained for six months to lose in five seconds. But still yeah. made $100 million. Yeah, but like that <laughs> yeah. aside, you know, it's just that yeah, idea This is not like, like a Rocky movie, you right, know, where exactly. he goes hard it's for like, It's like not even like, it's not even like poetic. Like a movie being made of this based on just the actual combat would just flop because mm. you'd be like, that was it? You know, like <laughs> one rock flying through there and the fight's over and the movie's over. You know, like it's just, it's, it's an awesome account, but it is kind of funny. Well, to me, that shows... Shows God's sovereignty, though, that that he would win the battle by that much. There wasn't even a question. 
but literarily the purpose of it is <clears throat> so that it, it it shortens the description of the battle so the battle doesn't detract from the right. fact that it's God that is doing all right. of this. And I think God literally made the battle that long again because of that. I mean, mm. you look at the history of, of battles. Was it Gideon? He gets the army from a huge number down to what was it, 300 or 3,000 or something? Mm-hmm. And they're vastly outnumbered, and yeah. then they just go kill them all. And it's like, oh, so yeah, that was God because we could not have done that, you know. Um, and so I think, like you're saying, Gary, I, I agree with you. I think that again is is God showing His power and His sovereignty, saying, if I'm in, con- well, He is in control, but He's saying, if I'm in control, it will turn out the way I want it to. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's going to be overwhelming victories to show that it's me in control as God, not. You as as you know, if the Israelites just fought a battle and beat the Philistines, the Israelites would all been like, "Oh, we're so good at fighting." It's also really important that we don't take this and misinterpret what it's saying. That we don't take it and say that as long as we trust in God, we're going to win every fight. Yes, the, the purpose is that David <clears throat> trusted in God's providential promise yeah. that that Israel was going to conquer yeah. the promised land, that they were going to conquer the peoples, that God was going to see that through. So he trusted in that promise, and he said, you know, if this is God's promise, then God's not going to just let us die out right here because a nine-foot-tall guy stands in front of us. That God is going to hold on to his promises, and I'm going to hold on to God's promises. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean we go out and say, I trust that God's going to make me a millionaire in a year, because that, you know, God never promised to make us a right. millionaire in a I year, think- but we do trust in God's promises to inherit eternity. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then two really quick things that I've got is... One, David knew he had been anointed, and he knew I'm anointed as, as I don't know what, you know, David, I can kind of assume, would be like, I don't know what that means, but like, okay, I'm in. Like, I just follow God. And so he shows up. There's something for to be done, and he's like, well, I mean, I'll do it. You know, like, I'll jump in, God. And it's not so much David as saying, God's picked me. I'll take care of it. But he's just like, I'm supposed to follow God, so, like, I'll put myself out there. And I think part of David's confidence is one, even if in my mind, how I think of David and just looking at his life, even David in his mind, in his heart says, I believe God will win this battle either with me killing Goliath or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I think David, I think David, even if let's say he would have died, I think David's faith still would have been the same in saying, I'm just carrying out what God is telling me to do. And you know, like you're, like you're saying, David would have probably been confident that he was going to win the battle because God gave him the ability to do so. But I think it's that even if faith, David thinking, you know, even if I, even if it's not supposed to be me and I'm just, you know, jumping the gun, I still trust in God. Well, the anointing is key there. Yeah. Um, so the anointing in, in this time period isn't about saying, um, you know, when you anoint someone, you're not doing it as a way of saying they're more important than anyone else. Right. It, it's more of, so, so if we look at ancient anointings in this time, Pharaoh, the, the Egyptian king, what my people would... Go? Well, yeah, that that dude. He would anoint his the the people that were underneath him, his subordinates, by saying, "I am anointing you, so that you have a piece of my authority." Mm. And so, Dave, Samuel anointing David, that was Samuel saying, "God has said you are his subordinate," meaning yeah. what you do reflects upon yeah. him. And so, David going out into that battle was saying, "I'm a reflection of what God desires for Israel," and God desires for Israel. He promised Israel to conquer the Canaanites, to conquer the promised land. I'm going to be a part of that. And in verse 16, as he's talking about, or chapter 16, with the anointing, we see in verse 13, it says, when Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him, it says, in the presence of his brothers, it says, um, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord mm. came powerfully upon mm. David. Yeah. So as you go back to that anointing, the Spirit of the Lord was powerfully upon David. And I think he knew that and he yeah. felt that. Yeah. Uh, and recognizing that, he was able to then go into that battle. Confidently. Yeah, Garrett's, I mean, he's totally right. We have to look back at chapter 16 and, and see, how is David going into this battle? Was he yeah. coming straight off the field, just like, eh, you know, with like this New York swagger coming in? and just killing this guy. No, he had already been anointed by God. He had been prepared, chosen, chosen and set up for this. (laughs) Now I picture David as this Italian mobster. (laughs) Hey, Hey, (laughs) Sorry for the ears for headphone listeners. We just all yelled at the same time. (laughs) We Uh, just ruined this story for you. Sorry, guys. So after David ate spaghetti and meatballs, go ahead. So (laughs) Garrett just choked on his water. That was great. <laughs> Don't cough directly into the mic. You heard it. That almost ears. came out my nose. That would have been legendary. 
So we'll get this I on think, video soon, so you can yeah, see. Yeah, we're, we're talking about how to do video. So soon you'll be able to see all of our snacks and stuff that we have. We have literally a bowl <laughs> of fudge rounds and oatmeal cream pies sitting on the table. Sponsored today. Oh my goodness, dude. So um, the food of theologians. David, yeah, <laughs> the food of theologians. What we need to do in the story, what we need to do with all biblical stories, is be weary of putting ourselves in the story. Mm. We need to be careful of saying, "Who am I in this story?" Now. We, there are times in the stories where we could put ourselves, for instance, Jesus and the Pharisees. A lot of times we can say, oh, I'm a Pharisee here. Or like when we did Jonah, we could say, right. like, hey, I'm Jonah. Yes, in the exactly. Of, yeah. We need, I think David. It's not a sense of us putting ourselves into it, but us seeing yes. ourselves as right. a reflection of and, what's going and what, on. And what can we learn about God? What can we learn about God and his interactions with his creation, humans? So in this story, to me, David does not necessarily represent one of uh, like we can't say like oh I'm David in the story to me David represents Jesus it's a oh, foreshadowing yeah. of who Jesus is I think 100%. and so Jesus is going to defeat that giant which is sin giving us the opportunity to be like God and but now it's also a foreshadowing with God, not of, like God sorry with God of us. <laughs> I said like God but it's then. also a foreshadowing of us who have the spirit of Christ within us yeah that we when we have that spirit we trust in God and we trust in his providence and his and his sovereignty that, you know, I'm going to do what God desires to be done regardless of how it's going to affect me exactly. on this earth. And I think, and like you were saying about that earlier, we're not always going to win that battle, so yeah. to speak. And so... And when we look at scripture... Know, go ahead. You, well, yeah, you look at the Israelite army after the verses I skipped over when I said skip, it literally is just saying like they chased them down and mm-hmm. killed them all. Yeah. Some of the Israelites probably died. And when I say some, like maybe literally like three, because the Philistines are like running away. Maybe one just snuck a sword swing in and hit an Israelite. You know, who who are we to say we're David and not one of the Israelites that died? I think we're the Israelites that are scared. You know, yes, you're right. And, and that's, if we if we yeah. thought of it at all, you know, they were living in so much fear, and, and I think that's us that that the, the cowardness and, and looking at the Israelites and them not being able to go up against something, but then seeing David come in full of the Holy yeah. Spirit. Uh, I think we see that picture of Christ in his strength and in knowing that, you know, we can't do anything on our own. We rely on Christ uh, and and seeing that. And Christ doing it for us, coming in and and fighting that battle for us. Think of this in meta terms, how differently, like... Overarching oh, okay. themes, like like Come on, big bro. picture you know terms. I, I need terms. I need simplification. <clears throat> okay, how big different idea. would the church be today if we if we faced all of our Goliath, all of our big issues, all of our you know the things of earth that bring fear and dread into our lives? If we face them taxes? in the same way that David faced them, yeah, taxes. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, like like the big issues of life. How, how would the church be different if we faced this virus that's going on right now with just knowing, well, God promised us eternity, so I'm going to trust in eternity. And it doesn't mean you go out and you ignore everything, all the precautions that are cough to be taken. on each other. Yeah, yeah, we cough on each other and like spit on each other's faces. And share oatmeal weird. cream pies yeah, at share. the same table. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it means that we're not fearful of what happens ultimately yeah. on this earth. You know, if we had a providential look um, in facing this life I think it shifts the way that we operate as the church yeah and you you know a disclaimer we're not saying like just go do what you want yeah don't worry about COVID that's not what we're saying we're what Garrett and you're absolutely right and that goes with anything in our lives any giant so to speak um, is facing that giant knowing no matter what happens with this one God's promised we have the promise of eternity through Jesus. Uh, and like Gary's saying, no matter what happens, and two, he promises he's always going to be with us. Um, he's he's And he's given us his spirit. That's another promise he's given us, that he's given us his spirit. It mm-hmm. lives literally within us. Uh, our our body brain contains that. <laughs> uh, you know, our soul, our, our chest thumper uh, contains his spirit, and, and just like David, David uh, had. Um, cool foreshadow. So we're talking about David as... You know, a representation of Christ in this. Garrett, last week when we're going over Adam and Eve, you remember in Genesis chapter 3, you read a very key verse that pointed us to Jesus Christ. Mm. So early in Genesis. Man, that's way back there. That's way back there. So that's like proto evangelium. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So y'all remember that word? That's like a lot of books until (laughs) Jesus gets introduced. Exactly. So Garrett reads in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. 
um, God says he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. True. Uh, so, so talking about Jesus was going to crush the serpent's head, mm. uh, even though there's going to be pain in it and uh, the serpent was going to strike his heel, we see the crushing of his head. In the story of David and Goliath, it is specific uh, and it is very pointed out that David goes and cuts off Goliath's head. Mm. Uh, and, and I think we almost see David as, as almost a midway point. We have Genesis and we see the, the stomping of the serpent's head. Mm. Uh, and then we get to David and Goliath and we see the total decapitation. Love that. Um, of the enemy and kind of a foreshadow yeah. of what Christ is going to do to the enemy. Well, I mean, Christ is a, de- a descendant of David. Exactly. Uh, um, Daniel says one like the son of David will come. And that's in Daniel chapter seven. And, and when Daniel refers to the Messiah, he calls the Messiah, the son of David. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is because David was the archetype for Christ, as in the Spirit of God was upon him. Mm. He did God's bidding. He trusted in God's sovereignty. The only difference was he was human fully, Mm -hmm. so he made mistakes. Christ was God and human, so he didn't make mistakes. A little extra uh, evidence of that. David was anointed Mm. receiving God's Spirit. Jesus was baptized receiving God's Spirit. The dove flew flew upon Mm. him. That's good. Yeah, it's cool how to see how the Bible connects. I mean, all throughout Genesis nah, to Revelation. It's so flawless. Interconnections. It's so, so awesome. <laughs> just to look at, at Scripture, think of how many different authors over how many centuries it was written. Yeah. And it doesn't um, contradict itself. It doesn't go you know, against itself. Yeah. I think in, in what we've been talking about as far as application goes, I know... Christian, you're yeah, that normal, was normally Christians. The cri- application, hey, everybody. This oh, is Garrett, dang. That was Garrett talking. That's not Christian. That was not Christian. Um, I just wanted to say that because you know we've been talking a lot about the fearlessness of our faith, as mm. as far as you know, in faith in God and faith in Christ, we should be fearless because we trust in their ultimate providence. And I, I think we've seen this. I've, I've used the example of the early church and the way that they went out and um, healed sickness and diseases and everything. Um, <clears throat> but there is a, uh, a an emperor, Emperor Julian. He was in Roman Empire in the fourth century, and he. Hold on, Tom. Wasn't King Julian in Madagascar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, King Julian. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, but, I don't know. And, and he was a. Uh, Julian was the emperor in the fourth century, and he tried to bring back paganism. So Christianity was really growing and growing and growing. It wasn't the official religion of the Roman Empire yet, um, but it was getting close to it. And this emperor, Julian, comes on and says, you know, he tries to bring back paganism. And he he writes to um, a uh, a pagan temple in, um, oh, I think it was in Galatia. I can't remember the location exactly, but he writes to this pagan temple and, and says, listen, you know, we if we want the people to follow paganism, if we want them to start worshiping our gods and, and our pantheon, then we need to start, you know, helping them and feeding them and, and giving um, sustenance to them. He, he explicitly says in this letter, the Christians are serving both their people, both their poor and sick, and our poor and sick. They're doing our job for us. If we want wow. these people to follow paganism, we have to go serve them. But it never happened. The pagan pagan people never, you know, serve the sick. They never serve the poor because there it, there was too much at risk for them. Because if they got a disease, right? Well, their eternity was questionable. If if they lost all of their money, then their prize was gone. There was no, there was no ultimate providence within paganism. There was just a worldview within Christianity. Anything that happened in the life of the church and on earth didn't matter. They didn't care about serving sick people and possibly getting a disease from serving them because ultimate providence, their faith, was founded in the fact that their prize was in eternity. They didn't care about having nothing but the clothes on their back because when they came into eternity, they were going to be living in the throne room of God. So so as far as faith goes, the reason why David, the reason why solid Christians of the early church were able to keep moving on in the face of persecution and in the face of suffering and sickness and everything was because they were steadfast in what was coming afterwards. And that's something that no other religion can really say. They can't they can't clarify their actions by saying, I'm doing this because I have no fear of what comes in eternity. 
Yeah. There's such a high risk for acting, um, for, for your actions in any other religion except for Christianity. Yeah. And the risk rewards. So different. many of those other religions, they have to earn salvation. Yeah. Whatever their form of salvation is or afterlife, they have to earn it. There's some sort of, <clears throat> by good deeds or whatever on earth, uh, Christianity is the exact opposite. You cannot earn it. It'd be yeah. cool if we did a podcast, maybe a series on different religions and mm. their relation to mm. Christianity. I had a tough question. What do you that. give you really? a good yeah. book about about that? It's called God Among Sages. It's by okay. um, Kenneth Samples. He's actually one of my professors. He's, that's a really good book. And then Ravi Zacharias. Are you getting? Is he paying you for that? Yeah, you Which getting, one is it by Ravi? Uh, shoot, I have one. Um, of, there's two. I need what's to the buy. one that you have. Um, I just I just looked oh, at this on my shelf. Jesus among secular gods. Is I don't think it's used. I don't think it's called among secular gods. But there's there's another one that's like it that yeah, I haven't read yet. Yeah, yeah. that's there's that's also Ravi too. has a cool one, and this is way off track. We'll get back. Um, it's Jesus have, has a conversation with Buddha, mm. uh, and it's this made up. In, it's made up in a sense, but it's using the thoughts of Buddhism and then the thoughts of Jesus Christ. And if they happen to have a conversation, what would it possibly be like? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, in, in the difference, yeah, that one's really good, actually. Whenever I learn how to read, I'll check that uh, one out. Yeah, I gave it to a buddy and I hadn't seen it in a while, so Ooh, I'll have to buy I hope it your buddy listens. <laughs> Say his name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, just David and Goliath, great stuff. Um, but it, the importance of it is for us to uh, the importance of David is to see yep. that. The actions of our faith, we should do it because we should take not for what reward we get on earth, not for what reward we get on earth, or what we earth, expect, but because of the trust that we have in God's providence in right. eternity. Right, and that, that's so, the type of faith David had. Huh? huh I got a huh for us. Go, go. <clears throat> we'll close with it. All right, so because we're at two hours, there's a lot recording. of <laughs> there's a I'm lot of there's a lot of good stuff uh, in the story of David and Goliath, and I think you know as we're talking about kids' stories. Uh, David and Goliath being one of those that, you know, we, we see a lot in Bible schools and, and people love to teach, it, especially Sunday school teachers. One of the things kids look at a lot is the height of Goliath. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why even anybody that doesn't know the Bible, they know, hey, uh, was Goliath short or tall? Everybody knows he was tall. I think even someone who hasn't read the Bible, they just know that because it, it's just yeah. obvious. So I, I was thinking our, our hum moment of the day is like, how tall can people get? You know, like I, I kind of wonder that sometimes, like what causes some people to grow so much? How do they get so big? And, big uh, is, so, <laughs> so, so I was wondering and I looked up who is the tallest guy in the world uh, to ever live. And then this is not counting. Yeah, I mean. This is <laughs> this is not counting biblical times. Yeah. Uh, the Guinness Book of World Records has put an account just basically recently, uh, maybe within the 20th to 21st century. Who's the tallest of all time? I was looking that up. Now you said Yao Ming. Yao Ming was seven, seven feet six, six inches. Yeah. Played for the Houston Rockets. Wasn't his mom like six eight? I think his mom was like four well, eight. So China. No, put, I think his mom was like super tall. I feel like I saw his parents and they were super yeah, well, short. No, they were tall because well, China were? took their two tallest citizens and made them marry. You are and that's lying. How, that's that's what I've read. I gotta look that Whether up. Or not, that's a that's hey, that's a hum moment. Know, that is, I'll look sure that up. That's, Yao that's, Ming parents arranged marriage. Just yeah, like the second Google. No way. Yeah. Right, well, let's get, get okay. With so, your anyways, mind. our home moment. Now, Yao Ming was tall, but there's a guy that makes Yao Ming look short. Oh Micah Hescott. <laughs> His name is Robert Wadlow, and he was the tallest man to ever live. Let me guess, eight foot eleven. How'd you know? We just listened to a podcast yeah. <laughs> or a TED talk. He knew, but yeah, he was eight feet eleven inches. This dude was almost nine feet tall. All right, so I want us to think about. The what when you're in a drive-through and it says you know it's got that little thing for cars oh, yeah. to go under it's always at nine feet he could barely walk through a drive-through <laughs> that's wild think about that that well, guy how did is, he drive places because there's no way there's a vehicle that fits someone that tall bruh Yao Ming was eleven pounds when he was born I bet he did not how eleven pounds when he was born bro I've heard people bigger than that all right continue sorry baby weight <laughs> literally but I think I just think huh like Huh. What would it be like to live that tall? Because obviously he can't go to Walmart and buy something. I mean, he can buy f- lots of food, but he can't go buy no clothes. Yeah, he'd probably he have something special made. Yeah, I mean, bed sheets sewed together for a t-shirt. I mean, that well, guy he, yeah. is... Okay. I mean, he had, would have had to have a specially made bed. Oh, yeah. I mean, most beds are only... What's I mean, my feet almost hang... And I'm only 5'7". My feet go to the end of uh, my bed. I mean, you got to think that is... Yeah, it was 
Yeah, his parents height. were convinced, convinced to marry each other so that they would produce a dominant athlete. Now convinced in China is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what that really means. <laughs> we made them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's a good home moment for the... Uh, but yeah, that's our home moment. If uh, You can look that up. Robert Wadlow, 8 feet, 11 inches. The tallest man in the world. I guess you could also, while you're at it, look up the shortest man in the world. And it's not me. Uh, I don't know but how tall Micah. it would be. It's Micah. It might be me. <laughs> not for sure. Well, this has been a uh, a good podcast. We uh, we enjoy doing these. We yeah. en- we enjoy. It's kind of what I look forward to most. Next, week. yeah, next week I'll actually uh, we're actually gonna have another meeting on this podcast. I w- I will be on vacation next week. Well, I leave next Wednesday. <coughs> okay, for vacation. So, so what, what day do so, you leave? Just the, the Micah we're podcast. Have a Micah podcast. <laughs> it will be seven minutes long of everything I know. <laughs> um, and we will start from when I was. Four years old, and we'll go from there. So I guess we could possibly have special guests. It's up to Micah. We we'll might. See. We may have. What day are you leaving? Saturday. And I'll this be Saturday. Back. Yep. Oh, okay. I'll be yeah. gone the whole week. Yeah. So. Maybe I was going to uh, say maybe we could do it. Re- record next Monday or something. But if uh, you're gone, yeah. yeah. If I, cool. If I didn't well, have it'll so be episode much. number twenty. So let me think on that. Oh, might, we, we got to do something good. Might, maybe. Well, I might just uh, exclude you guys and get some guests, <laughs> some listeners. I think you should. I think you should get two guests on. I really do, and just talk about. I mean, you can talk about Joseph or Moses. I don't know. If you're listening to this right now, you have a few days to give Micah some Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, topics. Why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, yeah. listeners, let me know if you want to be on yeah. it. If you want to be a guest or you have any suggestions we'll, we'll for a, a special guest. We'll do a competition. Yeah. Uh, we'll do like a fear factor to see who gets on. That'll be good. Now, now we don't have our budget. Like, we probably couldn't get um, I have $2 Kevin Hart wallet, or Tim Tebow. So but I don't have any dollars in my wallet. I found him. But somebody local, if you want to do it, let us know. Text Micah, Garrett, or me. Message us on Instagram. Text, yeah, Christian's number is 270. <laughs> Text Micah to 753270. That's it, actually. I thought you memorized this. It's, no, I mean, I, you know how you see on those TV uh, shows. Text oh, yeah. Something yeah, yeah. To this we put it in the lower third. All right, well, let's wrap up. This has gotten way, <laughs> way out of hand. We're this sorry. Is episode 19, and boy, are we comfortable doing it, I guess. This is what happens when you get two youth ministers and a former youth minister all in the same room talking into microphones with no live listeners chaos let's pray god we love you we thank you we thank you for this time we can be together Uh, god help us to understand that our reward is found in heaven god and and to receive that reward we just need to love you god and love others Uh, god just pray that you would lay it on our hearts to to follow you uh, to follow you well god without the expectation of a reward or, or something in return but simply just to to grow closer to you, the creator of the world, uh, so that we can uh, be in communion with you, God, and, and know more of who you are. We love you. We thank you. In your heavenly name we pray. <laughs>